I love that ad. I love that ad. I love that ad. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Love That Ad. Uh, joined first and foremost, as always, by that wind beneath my wings, Shane W. Rennan. Hello, Hola, Shane. how's it going? And a very special episode because we have Tom Mogal, Senior Marketing Manager from Lille, Ireland. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thank you very much. Now, I've always wondered, what's the W stand for? William. Oh, William. We, can't, we can't put that word in the podcast. <laughs> It'd be great. It would be great. I remember in college, someone was like, bet you don't even have a middle name. You just oh, put a yeah. W in there. And I was like, I wish that was the case because that'd be way fucking funnier. <laughs> or like in The Simpsons when Homer finds out his middle name is Jay. Yeah, exactly. And you never know what. <laughs> It uh, it is it does it does create an intrigue. Um, it's kind of evolved though. In college years, you were SWB, so it was three of them were letters. I'm still I'm still the same person, mm. and my letters haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good. It's good to have the the Shane W. Brennan. But uh, Tom, it's 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 better to have you on, on the podcast. Uh, you're 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 a face and a name that seems to always be flinging around the industry, attached to weird and wacky and wild campaigns, as well as just some solid marketing. Uh, is that on purpose? Is that just because you gravitate to those type of campaigns? Is that your style of advertising and marketing, or is that a completely well, absurd question? Well, listen. First of all, that's a, a big compliment. I think. Um, I guess hopefully that comes through in the choices I've made today. Some that are a bit different, maybe, or, or, or uh, uh, humorous. Um, but no, thank you. I um I guess I I kind of like um things that are a bit different and 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 distinguishing and and that kind of hopefully comes through in the ideas I, I pitch and and I'm lucky I'm really lucky to have worked in some places with some people who are very open to ideas and and I can I don't know suggest something that is a bit off the wall or uh, and they'll either put it put um break it to me gently that it's not a it's not a runner or they'll kind of let me go with it and stuff so yeah no um thanks for that that's a nice thing to say and thank you um for having me on today no, it's, it's 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 an absolute pleasure. Um, do you get do you get the same type of um, oh shit feeling when someone actually says yes to the idea as opposed mm. to no? Sometimes it's easy just to throw out a few ideas, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the guys, I've had this idea for years, right? Um, and I'll say it on the podcast now because if someone else did it, I'd be delighted. But I wanted for a spring cleaning campaign years ago. I wanted to clean the spire. Um and i think that is genius right mm. um but many people have told me no told me it's not very funny or very good in general um so um <laughs> so I, I, and then we've had other ones when like we had one last year at, in, in little where i work now where um we've been trying to get it over the line for a couple of years where um i wanted to get people to to stay over in one of the little stores um and do spend the night in there like it's an airbnb and we ended up doing it and like exactly like you said there after a while you're just like oh you might just keep saying it because it's funny and then, then people are like yeah we'll do it now we're actually going to do yeah. it and you're like oh, and you, you have to actually there's that meme that goes around about uh, plan about planning and it's how uh, how excited we are that we got the plan done what do we do now now we have to execute the plan the um on the clean the spire love that idea 
Um, it's actually, it reminds me of a campaign sifted. This is a weird, obscure reference now. Sifted in Romania in like 2014, and they won about four cans for it. So there's a big problem in Romania with graffiti. So Sif just essentially cleaned all the graffiti with Sif. <laughs> and it did really well. So it's clean it's the spire a, is a really good idea. <laughs> it's not as stupid as it sounds. I'll be, do you know what? I'll be clipping that bit. Clip I'll that. Send it, I'll anyway. be sending it on, forwarding it on to everyone on email chain. Yeah. <laughs> So, so let's get, you know. let's get uh, all the emails for P&G, Unilever, any of those kind of uh, holding companies and just lash that around to them all. If the pink stuff end up cleaning the spire, I'll be raging. <laughs> <laughs> and many people swear by that bloody pink stuff. Uh, I can tell you that. Um, no, you, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of um, your type of advertising uh, reflected on, on, the, on the ads today. When, when we asked you to come on, did you have like a flood of ads that you wanted straight away or was there ones that were so there was the first the first one that we'll go through that was the like absolutely straight away that hit me is like i'm gonna talk about this one when i saw it wasn't on the list that people had already spoke about delighted um and then i kind of wanted to go for one that was kind of completely different so without giving too much away we've got one which is making a really boring product really interesting and fun and then you've got a really cool product that they have to then like it's really i think sometimes it's really easy to sell a cool thing or do work for a cool brand so really easy is probably a bit exaggeration but it's a lot easier i remember years ago i went to a social media conference got chatting to a fella and he ran the social media channels for a company a factory that made aluminium cans and i'm just like and like it's really easy to be a wendy's it's really easy to be a mcdonald's because like um and write funny tweets that go viral but imagine having to write tweets for the the guy making the, the factory making cans like yeah. it's not easy is it no definitely yeah. but I, I would think though there is one like you've got free reign there's no mm. there's no going down like you're like yeah. well fuck it we're starting from zero you can't undo <laughs> all the cool that came before you that's if it's true. your first day in social media so you'd be like i could be the first person to make people follow an aluminium can factory <laughs> like that's that, that sounds like a challenge i'd be on board for that's a, <laughs> you know what it's a very positive way of looking at it yeah it's, it's the only <laughs> way i imagine i could get out of bed if i worked for a, an aluminium <laughs> can factory yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's um um sorry what was i was gonna say there um there's a, another example similar to that is um and they've done exactly what you said there is online is um i think it's like the museum of agriculture and heritage in the uk or something mm-hmm. like that and their social media kind of blew up there a few years ago because the guy running it's just very funny very culturally aware and really knew what he was trying to do and trying mm-hmm. to achieve that and um he ended up kind of like he 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 made what is a very niche kind of boring um museum actually quite interesting and fun um so and then i think he got he got stolen by elon musk to work for tesla and then and then sorry there's a whole story and then i think he was there for like six months i don't know what the fellow's name is he was there for like six months and then i think he came back to the world of museums because obviously like i don't think i think it was like a little bit of a roller coaster but like basically he did this viral tweet about a sheep Elon Musk saw it, thought it was the funniest thing ever, recruited him to be the social media person for Tesla. Uh, gone in six months. <laughs> I Being feel it. like that's how Tesla works. Or yeah, yeah, for yeah, Elon yeah. Musk. <laughs> I think Elon Musk it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Six <laughs> months, in, there's in an email. <laughs> and Tom, in terms of like uh, like your, your experience, you, you worked a lot in like PR and comms and then mm. um, and marketing, so you have a real kind of motion and like... Uh, 
from from when in ignorance when when I first entered the industry, I thought, well, sure, it's all just ads, isn't it? Um, mm. But it's they're they're different to kettles of fish. So, how how do you find? Is there more crossover now? Are they are they more siloed away, or or you know how do you find that the balance works best? Yeah, I think um, I think you can you can tell the brands that have it integrated, and you can tell the ones that do it well as as and and, and seeing advertising. So like I, in like. I don't have any kind of like marketing qualifications or anything, um, as you'll see as I try and bluff my way through the rest of the podcast. Do you want us to cut um, this bit out? Is yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this is for Patreon subscribers only. Um, <laughs> but um, and I don't have any uh, marketing qualifications. Um, I actually have a degree in like a degree in history and journalism. And I think it's the journalism side that really got me interested in, in kind of copywriting and, and that aspect of, of marketing and, and, and social media specifically before moving into kind of wider marketing. Um, but then in my first job in actual jobs, like I worked in that performance marketing and that was all I did for like four years was Hardcore. generate leads. And it was like being as efficient as possible with mm-hmm. expand, getting your attribution correct and making sure you could see what every penny and every pound went into. And then, um, Sorry, that was in the UK. I wasn't just really old in uh, Ireland. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was, I went from there and then into like, um, well, brand building. And then I think why I work now is, is, is a mixture of both, mm-hmm. but it was like a real change for me to go to a big brand and work on kind of a brand related kind of online activity rather than just, um, I guess, performance marketing. And I think um, that kind of helps me. And maybe even going back to your first question about like, um, being part of kind of campaigns that are different and and interesting I guess maybe that comes from where my background is or what I I don't really know the theory behind things or I'm picking up as I go along Mm -hmm. which maybe helps me think a bit differently yeah maybe I would say so because like I think we're similar in the sense that we were media we were were production then me and Aaron were in media buying I went digital Aaron was experiential then we went back into production and into creative and like just all over the place Mm. and working with brands creative like working with everyone and I think there's a certain level of um, confidence you can get out when especially coming with crazy ideas is when you kind of know what's going on in other places so yeah. you're like well you know whereas i think there used to be a plan, i remember even planning you'd be like the brand budget and the direct response budget well when you've worked across both you're like well i, I don't need to protect your budget as much because i know what it's going to or vice versa because you understand whereas if you're just in one silo you're like no you can't mess with the ppc spend mm. <laughs> you know what i mean you're like oh god i don't know what that is because you even see that in planning teams where people who plan TV versus people who plan digital, the way they talk to and communicate to each other and won't kind of push each other maybe potentially, or a digital person won't come up with a TV or a, a traditional idea. Um, and I think kind of having a bit of experience across, a little bit of experience across other spaces and seeing how how the sausage is made, um, I think can can help. I don't know, I don't know if it does for me anyway. It allows me to kind of just Oh yeah, fuck it. What could go wrong? You know, um, there's I no, think there's as, no magic, as well like. as well having that understanding of how the media's work together, mm-hmm. and yeah. actually how rather than thinking of yeah exactly what you said there, rather than thinking of themselves in their own kind of silos, when you mix them together and you think of them as a as a cross channel mix. Yeah, that's a technical term, I believe. A cross channel <laughs> mix of like, uh, and, and how actually one customer journey features multiple touch points across different channels. Yeah. Then when you start thinking like that, I think then you end up, it's the, the budget's fluid, the planning's fluid. Yeah. 
and yeah, it's, it's not that, just that's... it's not just one media winner takes all mm-hmm. uh, type of thing. And, and I think one of the biggest lessons I had early on in media was your client who's a marketer spends five percent of their time if you're lucky on media so, and it just made me realize how much work a marketer actually has to do outside of a media plan that you know with creative with the internal structures in their own in their products so much stuff and and that was expand on when i, when I did the the mini mba with the mark ritson one just kind of it was another major chunk of knowledge put into the entire pie so it's, it's great just to have those Mm. as a to see the rounded picture even even if you're only working on one small small part of it you're like okay well i know i'm only one small part because all these are doing the other thing uh, and just understanding that is i find is half the battle that um that is something we as clients say though we that got that's only five percent of what i'm up to i've got so much else going on <laughs> you, you wouldn't you even believe 5%? it <laughs> <laughs> sorry i couldn't email you back with that po <laughs> because <laughs> i've already so hit five percent of my week can't, yeah. can't go any further <laughs> so the rest of my career has just been a sham based yeah. on that lie <laughs> yeah, yeah. that fundamental lie <laughs> uh, well once i uh, try and recover uh, <clears throat> after after my world imploding like that um i think uh, i think we look at your ads tom and maybe that might that might help so what's the first uh, what's the first ads we, we have today Okay, so this for me, when you exactly what I was saying earlier, when you guys were like, "What are your favorite ads?" This one came to me straight away. Um, it's from two thousand three. Uh, stars uh, a young James Nesbitt, or middle aged, uh, for the Yellow Pages uh, ran in the UK. I'm not sure if it ran in. You wouldn't have the Yellow Pages here in Ireland, would you? Um, no. So uh, it ran in the UK, and it was um, a, he was uh, fresh off of Cold Feet. Mm-hmm. And he kind of played on his character from Cold Feet and, and brought that character through um, into some kind of basically skit-based, sketch-based advertising um, for Yellow Pages. So there's a couple of examples, I think. Brilliant. We're going to watch uh, two examples back to back here. Life is great and life is fine Because I met a girl and no one likes you. You're oh. annoying me a lot now. <laughs> oh, you know, we've got so much in common. We like eating, drinking... Yoga? Yoga? I'd like to go to a yoga class. Beginner. I see myself as more of an intermediate, actually. A bunch of ladies going, hmm, how hard can it be? Bringing the arms behind the back into prayer position. Don't forget to breathe. That's chiropractors. C-H-I-R-O-P-R. But Uncle James, Mummy said to take me to the hairdressers. Ah, where's the money? I'll have a bash myself. I'm back. Mm. Hello there. Hi. What happened? Terrible hairdresser. Leave it to me. I'm just waiting for the manager to get back and then, what, is he in trouble? Look, some idiots cut my niece's hair. Yes, please. There's one other thing I need you to do, though. Okay, let me explain. I know this haircut has nothing to do with you, but my sister is watching outside and I want her to think that you did it. So you sort out this terrible mess for me and I will pay you double, okay? You're very, very nice people. Thank you. That you must have used to play here because some of the lines Mm. are like burnt into my brain. Yeah, same. Like a hundred percent, that played here. Like that's that's such a fucking good ad. That <laughs> ad, that line at the end where it's got very very, very nice, nice people. people. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
delivered so well. Everything from from a performance perspective, everything in that ad is brilliant. When yeah. you've got hit, like him and his own, but then the kid, the child actor, is so good. As I've got it paused here, and I might send you a screenshot with a screen here but she's at the counter in the hairdressers her hair is a mess she's her arms folded it's a, just a great performance like i think um it, it for me it's just the one of the funniest ads and like, exactly why i thought of it kind of straight away yeah, yeah it's, it's so funny. it's it's a, it's a, it's an absolute classic that i i don't know how it's burned into my brain as you said shane but it but it, but it is but like he's he was brilliant in it there's there's a load of different things in that ad that Especially the especially the haircut one that, that make it brilliant. For me, I love the camera work. That there's minimal movement, mm-hmm. a lot of his tripod. It felt like you're watching a bit of uh, Fry and Lauren, Larry kind of style of, of of sketch, and it just let the performance and the script do all the heavy lifting there, uh, which which I thought was brilliant. And then a physical gag of the window stopping the sound that gets me every time when there's something like that. It's just so good, like. Yeah, I think I think with the tripod, yeah, I think I think the more you go back to kind of that type of comedy or that type of production, like camera movement is a not relatively new thing, but it's 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 you it's it's leaned on an awful lot by by filmmaking now. Whereas back when you look at anything Spielberg does, it's a fucking it's a tripod, it's a pan, and maybe a dolly. <laughs> so like two yeah. dollies per film. <laughs> yeah, they really don't let the the camera movement in any way take over the performance. Um, and I think Nesbitt, like he can carry, like he he could like if you had if you put someone weaker in his role, I don't know if it holds together with the you know what I mean uh, with the yeah. um like everything really like his. He's just cast perfectly, and it's not—it's not the fact that it's James Nesbitt. It's the fact that his performance is so good. Yeah, yeah. And like it, egg, egg, um, he's just—he's a, a brilliant actor, to be fair. Um, it, it was clever casting him because he—he's like a vampire where he doesn't age, he doesn't change yeah. much appearances, so it—it mm. it makes the, the ad very evergreen. You don't know how long it, it, the the product became more redundant than him. Jimmy changed his look in terms of the ad. So he was used apparently across a range of ads for them. I think it's about four or five. So there's another one that I really remember. I didn't, didn't send you a link on, but it's one where he's giving um, a relationship advice to his friend, telling him he needs to get a stylist. And then he looks up a stylist on the in the yellow pages, and then the stylist comes in the next day into their flat that they share, and they think that it, it, they he booked it for him. And it's it's just a great kind of like bait and switch at the end where um, James Nesbitt kind of gets his comeuppance for being kind of gloating of the fact that he doesn't need relationship advice and then the stylists come in and end up um, uh, end up uh, kind of doing him over as well. Um, but no, I think um, the, and as well, like there's a lot of talk, I think, about um, us losing us when I say the industry kind of the lack of humor in, in ads and the lack of humor in, in kind of marketing and everyone is going performance based and attribution and it's all um we're losing kind of like what's that like that right side brain kind of ads mm. um yeah exactly i might go to the left the right wrong there um but um it's a lot of talk about that and then i think this for me is kind of like a peak of when it was like it looks like it could be a scene a scene from a sketch show it looks like it could be a scene from a tv like a sitcom um and i think that we do, uh i sound old now but we don't do that anymore um yeah we don't have complete narratives and scenes like that um that evoke such an emotional response yeah 
as as a marketer, how do you how do you find you're able to combat that? Is is it is it harder to to for the whole team to to buy into a humorous sketch? Is it that these aren't being presented as much, or, or where's where's the issue? Do you think? Gee, I don't know. I think as well, like it's hard it's hard to 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 stray from the norm, and it's hard to 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 be that that brand, especially like in industries that are, the competitors are so tight and close together um, and everyone is looking at what everyone else is doing. It's hard to, to be that kind of uh, outlier. Mm. And I think the yellow pages, I guess, has a, has a, um, an uh, advantage because they, uh, they don't have competitors in that space. It's more about increasing the usage of the yellow pages as opposed to favoring the yellow pages over someone else. So it's a very different kind of, it's a very different um, goal, I guess, with the ad. The ad for this, and the message really is like the yellow pages can solve your problems. Use the yellow pages. Yeah, um, I was wondering if the insight might have come from it was that traditional trope of men refusing to ask for directions. As in, did they find in their research there was this type of man in particular that Nesbitt represents that's like, ah, sure, I don't need to do that. My my dad showed me how to do gutters. And then all of a sudden you have him up in the gutters and he pulling it down and then the, the yellow pages. Now, obviously, the yoga one is it doesn't play into that trope because he uses it to... But he but he does do that nonchalance mm-hmm. or how hard could it be. So he still does that kind of arrogance as to, sure, it's all it's all there. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't need help. You know what I mean? I can do this. Yeah, it's with the intermediate comment that's the one that's what gets it with the yoga and i wonder if it was that kind of if they were trying to play on that kind of space and that they got from research and then they could build it out like at this kind of and it is that traditional um like that it's 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 it's, they're interesting plot points they're like something that that would happen in malcolm in the middle they're they're traditional dad arrogance from multi-cam sitcoms you know like king or queens like someone doug gets himself into a set because he's like no i don't need that even though everyone around him is advising him it's like no no don't 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 try and cut your own hair (laughs) sorry the brian cranston how malcolm in the middle comparison is spot on actually i hadn't thought about that but it it's basically a british version of that really isn't it the character and yeah. that yeah you know you're dead on there yeah i know it's great it though it's so it's so in, good like if someone was involved in these ads uh is listening to this and they're like it was just fucking funny <laughs> 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 yeah. really? we always think that we're always like jesus yeah. people people involved in them must be like jesus fucking it's like you know yeah, when, no, that, that sounds right yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you used to uh kind of comprehension stuff or um kind of analysis of uh poetry work and stuff like that in english you'd love to talk to the poet and he was like I was drunk. I don't even remember writing that poem. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, they're they're a brilliant. Uh, they're a brilliant set uh, to start off uh, your episode. So uh, it can only go up from here. So what can we expect for a second ad? Okay, so second ad, like so, like I was saying earlier, that the yellow pages fundamentally is a very boring product. It's a big book of numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like fair play to them to make it in an interesting way. And then on the other side, you've got a very cool product here. So these are the original ipod um silhouette ads so this is back from early to i think about similar time 2004 maybe mm-hmm. um when um apple had already released the ipod but were trying to increase sales um as the next generations came out and broaden out from being a mac product to a universal product one two three four <laughs> Tell us what to do with your high top shoes and your wavy 
But that, but that ad for me, it, it's it's iconic. And and when I was a teenager, like for me, it was just the coolest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And it made me want the iPod. It made me want, and to, more than the iPod, it made me want the white headphones. Yeah. And I think that for me is what does is why this ad is so good. Mm-hmm. Is it makes that into a brand asset. And I picked it because they became a fashion statement. And the white ad, so the the ad doesn't any way, like the iPod is an unbelievable piece, te- piece of technology, but the ad doesn't any way really tell you how it works, what it does beyond showing you the white cable on the little white iPod. And it made the white headphones really cool and it made people think, like before that you'd have, maybe Walkman would have been fashionable from a headphone perspective, but they were all kind of gray and black and small and basically you wanted to hide the fact you were wearing them and then for them to flip it and make it the center point of their ad, mm. the white headphones and make them tee them up with some really cool music for me is, is, is unbelievably cool. Yeah, no, the... it's, it's all I can think of with it. Like it's, it's, it's an amazing campaign. Um, but it just reminds me, me and Aaron did multimedia. So this, this ad launched a thousand knockoffs in every imaging fucking, uh, yeah. thing we had to do lads, fucking wasting hours rotoscoping wires and like <laughs> and it's like everyone was like fuck i've no idea what i'm gonna do and i have a week to do it it's like ah just do the silhouette thing <laughs> it's like um but uh but no as the original concept and just kind of bringing the actual like putting that white wire on um a black background and then a big pop of color and just making it about what the music like not making it about the person just being like the music through the iPod gets you to move and causes mm-hmm. all this like what it causes and you can just see it but because you don't really see anyone's face apart from you too um you then can you just you just watch what they're doing you don't think about the person you don't go oh, I wonder if they're a professional breakdancer or they're not you're mm-hmm. just watching mm-hmm. the movement and I think that's as you said, rightly said though making the white wire um the fucking key usp as to this is a statement to have the white wire but by doing that to make what makes that so cool within that ad as well is everyone thinks they're one of those slick dancing people <laughs> by wearing it and it's just it's just class it's just genius it was just fucking genius like that's, and, I, and you mentioned sorry it, you, you mentioned the the u2 so i was doing a bit of research into it because i was like oh, i don't want to come unprepared um so all my insightful uh quotes so far have all been written down in advance um no but uh the the thing about the uh, u2 and so apparently what was happening was a song was featured in that ad so the rap the ads ran for like five years Mm -hmm. a song was featured in that ad and that ad that that song would blow up the band would blow up the song blow up and they had an unbelievable kind of journey of like the song was in the ad the next day it was the front page of itunes yeah. and there was a full kind of like consistency into it and the whole thing was about the whole the whole idea of the ad is to make people know that you can use an ipod with windows and with a pc mm-hmm. um so there's some stat around when they launched the ipod only five percent of people had a mac because apple yeah. obviously wasn't as prevalent as it is now but and people saw it as a mac product whereas actually it's a universal product so um the whole kind of itunes interface into that with the iPod, but then the songs are blowing up, the bands are blowing up, and eventually 
they used it as a bargaining chip, apparently, allegedly. They used it as a bargaining chip with record labels because record labels initially didn't want to be on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, they were putting bands in the ad as a bargaining chip to say, well, you can only go in the ad see, if you go on iTunes. Yes. And you can only go on iTunes if the record label agrees. Mm-hmm. And then U2 came in and apparently struggling to access a younger audience. Mm-hmm. U2 then um, said, how do we how do we access the younger audience? They released, they had the ad that was basically their music video. So they didn't have a music video. They had this ad instead. They released a song exclusively for YouTube, through iTunes. And um, what was the last thing? Then, so they released it, oh yeah, they released it through iTunes only. And then they uh, released the album through iTunes as well. So they were trying to access a younger audience through the iPod ad. My wife yeah. has one of the limited edition U2 iPods mm. in her home house and she's kept it. And that came out as part of it as well. The red and black one? I, I, yes, she has it in a shoebox. I didn't. It's unbelievable. You bought the <laughs> you bought the U two iPod and you got fifty dollars off the the U two album. Right. Um, apparently, so that's it's it's cool. And then U two and Bono said he they didn't get paid for that for to be in that ad. So they treated wow. it as like this is going to be our music video. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to get paid to be in it. And then it, they, I remember that song was massive mm-hmm. and that's kind of really re, revitalized who they were as a mm. band. Maybe maybe that's overstating it, but. Like that, yeah. that, that kind of full end to end journey is just very cool. That makes sense. Cause I had a question about, um, why their faces were the only ones you could see and not silhouette. And as, as you two, they'd it'd be stronger with them being a silhouette as well. But if they're trying to access a younger audience, as you're saying, mm-hmm. they need to be recognizable. Mm-hmm. Show their old who, faces. Yeah. Who they are. <laughs> Scare them into buying the, <laughs> buying the download. Uh, no, I, I think um I think I seen uh, a modern version of this uh with Harry Styles. Music from a sushi restaurant. Mm-hmm. I hadn't listened to that song and the banger beat from the from the klaxons or trumpets or whatever it is is used straight away and I was like, That's a class song. Now I have it on my list, now it's on repeat. How's it go again? <laughs> you, you nearly had me there. Oh! <laughs> you nearly had me there. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a it's for for a, a creative platform that's that's what over twenty years old now or coming up on twenty years old. That's mm. and it's still working. Mm. That's pretty pretty damn impressive. Oh yeah, that's a great ad. That's what a great. I can't. Do you know what? This happens sometimes on the podcast when someone brings an ad that I'm in shock that no one else has brought mm. to this date, and that is one of them. <laughs> so I so I went through the list thinking someone's gonna have said this. Yeah. Um, but also, I am aware it's very cliche to bring up an Apple ad. I part yeah. of me thought I might lean into it and wear black turtleneck, <laughs> pose like pose like this while you're all listening to it. Yeah. Um, but I was equally surprised. I think it's it's an unbelievable set of ads, and the fact that it ran so long, it was print, it was TV, it was online, and then they had the link with the iTunes. It's yeah. unbelievable. Mm. Well, I I think you've balanced out your cliche one in the first ad you brought, but definitely in the third ad uh, that, that you brought, Tom. I, I okay. don't even know how to introduce this, so I'm just going to hand over to this. <laughs> so uh, I, um, I'm i from a town called Northampton in the UK. I'm not Irish in case it hasn't come across so far. But um, there's a shoe shop in Northampton, or there was, called Gordon Scott Shoes. I think it's called Gordon Scott Shoes. And they had, so sorry, to step back a little bit, actually, I didn't want to do three TV ads. Yeah. 
I saw some of the other guys had done out of home print um, social as well. So I wanted to do a bit of in-store advertising and um, Gordon Scott were prolific, famous in Northampton that when you went into their store, they had an animatronic monkey that all it did 24 seven nonstop, even when the store was closed, it was in the window. All it did was grab a branch, pull itself up, flip over the branch. Like all it did. And then on repeat, repeat, nonstop, little fluffy monkey. Right. And as a kid, I was obsessed, right? Mm -hmm. It, all I wanted to do was see the monkey. And all I wanted to do was watch it flip over, right? Makes no sense. It wasn't like the brand was like Rainforest brand. It was a really, from my memory, it was a really upscale, like it was an expensive shoe shop. It was an upscale, normal, um, but it had a monkey, it flipped over the branch, right? Um, so I don't know if you can, I'll can, there's probably a video on YouTube of the monkey. You probably I'll, be able to I'll find it. one, yeah. I'll find yeah. One. yeah. Um, if not, let me know. I'll probably, but it's, it's notorious. And anyone who grew up, either my generation, generation before, I think maybe I was of the last generation when it is, <laughs> the, the shop kind of closed down. So mm-hmm. prolific that um, I believe um, Charlie the Chimp was the name, but then my parents' generation, they had Alfie the Ape. It's motor ran out, <laughs> so they had to put Charlie the Chimp in. Um, but mm-hmm. for me, so like, so, so, so there's a couple of things why I chose this, right? Is um, it, there is actually some really kind of like actual mark sound marketing theory behind it. Mm-hmm. And one thing is like, it's distinguished, absolutely distinguishing. And that's kind of like the theme, I guess, for, for, for the, my three ads is there's so many, so Gordon Scott's quite a, an independent chain. There's a few, a few of them around the country that was, sorry. Um, but then you've got your big, you got your shoe zones, your Clarks, your big shoe brands. Um, and like, you've got like back to school, um, back to school, get your shoes. As a, as a kid, it's a very crowded space for competitors. And also thinking about Northampton, so a bit, of, a bit of history for you, and I'll get absolutely ridiculed because I bring up Northampton all the time, but it used to be the shoe capital of Europe. And- um... You have to expand on that, yeah. So, How is it the shoe capital of Europe? So it's, it's, it's full of factories. It basically used to produce okay. most of the shoes in Europe, I guess. That's I where they literally came from. So like Doc Martens uh, from Northampton, um places like that sort of uh, other shoe brands are all from northampton so it's a very like shoes in northampton's a big deal basically what i'm saying <laughs> um so to stand out in that space is tough um and i like to just think that like to just think someone was like i don't know put a monkey in the front um I'd and they put a know, monkey in the I'd front love to know the top process but there's where a, there's they a... found it well then apparently so i i didn't know this because obviously i only know the northampton chain but that shoe shop then is a, is a, is a small chain and then had one in one Nottingham, one in Watford. Both had monkeys, both had their own monkeys. Um, so it became a brand asset forum. And I think the fact for me, it's the, it's the distinguishing fact that you've got probably, if you think about back to school, it's all about cheap or offers getting parents in um for, for quality shoes that that like a low cost because they have to last a year don't want to be rebuying shoes but also can't afford the moon but you've got this one brand stands apart which feeds into my other part of i think i don't know if it's actual marketing theory but pester power which is all around yeah. kids dictating where they want to buy stuff from because of and pestering their, their parents to enable them to buy it um 
it's uh like i know as a kid i was on my parents i want to go see the monkey <laughs> sorry it sounds stupid and i uh, <laughs> it sounds so stupid to say out loud but i want to go see the monkey i want to see it flip over that branch and i want to see it 24 7. did you have to go into the store to to see the monkey or was it in the window I actually can't remember. I, I have a feeling he was in the window because mm. I have a feeling when it was closed, you'd walk past, he still flipped over. Mm. Okay. We had something similar, I, Aaron, I don't know if you um, had this, was crazy prices. Before Tesco, I'm from Port Leash, and before mm. Tesco got into Port Leash, it was crazy prices. And in crazy prices, along all the tops of where the fruit and veg was as you came in were animatronic orangutans, gorillas, chimpanzees, and like all surrounded by like leaves. And I thought this was like a fever dream from my childhood. <laughs> and, and then I remember one day I said it to my mother. I was like, was there like fucking apes all over? And they were like, she was like, yeah. And I was like, why? And I was oh, it was crazy. <laughs> I was like, crazy, bro. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I, yeah. I think monkeys might be the most used animal advertising potentially Maybe. there's all You've that got PJ Coco, Tips stuff PG yeah. Tips no, Coco Pops yeah Cabris uh, uh, the shoes Gordon Crazy Scott's. Prices that's, Crazy that's, Prices that's four or five straight the, off straight the, off the, the, the five biggest more. brands in the world <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Scott shoes, fucking yeah. crazy prices. And that's that's where correlation is causation, right there, right there. <laughs> Love it. Uh, um, I, but I, yeah, he was basically so he was a local legend, Alfred the Ape slash Child of the Chimp, and um, he actually, for the listeners who are interested, he's on display in the Northampton Museum, um, and uh, you can go see him flip over the branch. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm home at Christmas, I, I might send you guys a, a picture of me with the chimp. Um, yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to yeah do 100 do yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah but in essence i think it's at face value mental it's random it's so odd but then like you break it down and you know the effect it had and i know the effect it had on me and my peers and kids in, in Northampton. and you see and it's that whole um choice factory kind of like everyone goes one way and then one brand goes the other way and you remember this one it's mm. it's it, for me it's that and competing with big chains it was able to do that because we had the monkey. This, this, I think that one of my favorite comic book writers, Alan Moore, is from Northampton, and he is. This makes more and more sense about Alan Moore's writing that he grew up in the <laughs> where this monkey in Gordon Scott, because like he's the weirdest fucker. <laughs> he still lives in Northampton. Yeah, he's I've obsessed him, with Northampton. I've seen, yeah, I've seen him in Waterstones. I'd believe it because he has that love letter to Northampton. Like he's and he talks about how mm. Northampton's the center of the universe. It's where like the Romans stopped, and like he's got all these crazy shit about. It. So anytime when you yeah. mention Northampton, I was like, I just think of Alan Moore. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> He's the second most um, famous person to come out of Northampton. Who's the first? Go on. The monkey. The monkey. I was. I was. <laughs> well, after 100%. this podcast, yeah. Now they're both going to be equal because they're yeah. both. Yeah, you mentioned. have. You have what quarter million, half million listeners? What oh. is it? Yeah, around that. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, more. <laughs> they're all going to be wanting to see the monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's going to book the flights over to uh, the Midlands I Airport. A, I want a video of, of of you visiting the museum with with, with the mm. monkey, and then we'll put it up like in the new year yeah. after your episode has gone out and everything. And people who haven't tuned into your episode are going to be like, "What is what happening? The fuck was that about?" Yeah, they're going to want to listen. They're going to want to listen in. Yeah, 
But if they didn't listen, they're going to be like, what am I missing? What am I missing here? And that's the beauty of the monkey. It's the same thing getting kids in to buy shoes. Now we're getting to get listeners into the podcast. It's it's all come full circle, uh, this campaign. (laughs) Maybe maybe next time you do a podcast, the fourth screen can just be the monkey flipping (laughs) over. That'd be great. That'd be fun. That would have been a good campaign. Have it as a screensaver or something like that. Just on on loop. Mm. That's probably. Shane, what do you think? That could be the most niche campaign we've we've had. I think that that might be the most. Yeah, niche. it's definitely up there. We've had a few kind of museum stuff, like random kind of artistic things, but that's great. I love that. That's that's. I, I love it's multi generational as well. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. and like I, I think I there's there's definitely a nostalgia element to it as well. Of my parents taking me shoe shopping, but they're going to a shop they remember going to as a kid. But the reason they remember it because of the monkey. Sh- should yeah, I hold on guys I got a question right <laughs> should I for this entire episode just have the monkey flipping with us and not explain to the audience until we get, they get to this stage 100% <laughs> <laughs> that's that, I think I think I'm, done, I'm going to do that <laughs> you've at least put it in the clip you've at least put it in the little clip you've to clip the monkey going through and then people go why and it'd be even better if the monkey was flipping through and we were talking about the iPod app uh, yeah, no, 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 I think I'm going to put them, so I think, I think I'll think i save the monkey, yeah, I'll, I'll put them in the bottom of the teaser, and I'll do like a normal teaser, and then for the for the whole episode, I'll do the monkey flipping, and no one will know, <laughs> until we get to right here, and I'll leave this all in. <laughs> so if you have watched the podcast, have you watched the podcast to find this out? Ha ha! That's so good. Gotcha. There'll be a collective across Ireland, there'll be a collective... Oh, oh okay and then the people I get who, it. who haven't watched it like oh you don't get it do you, yeah, you don't, you know don't get about. it listen you're one of the one of the million people who don't who listen in yeah one, yeah exactly. one of the five who don't listen yeah five mm, people yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Dom, dominating those charts we are dominating dominating um wow that was uh that was that was a very fun campaign very fun yeah, very niche uh campaign and great Great selection of ads, uh, in fairness, Tom. That that's been brilliant. So thank you, thank you so much for those. Um, what's going on in the world uh, of, of Tom Miguel, um, these days? Oh, listen, getting ready for for Christmas. Um, from personal level, moving house. Uh, moving house is tough. Lovely, stress free. Great time of year to do. Yeah, it. yeah listen, yeah. I thought <laughs> get all the stress out in one, and I'll just put my feet up for the rest of twenty twenty three. Lovely. Yeah. Um, best. But don't, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been great to um, pretend I know what I'm talking about for 40 minutes. It's what we do every That's week. Club. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're now an official member of the I Love That Ad podcast uh, spoofers club, yeah. uh, which is great. I've got a list of people I, I want to recommend as well, so I'll send them over to you. Class. Um, Brilliant. But no, uh, thanks again. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. If anyone wants to see those or the ads that were talked about on this episode, either go to a museum in, in the north of England mm. uh, and, and see it in person, or else you can just go on to workwithfoe.e forward slash podcast uh, to watch the entire uh, episode uh, with the ads included. Uh, Shane, you look like you've something you want to get off your chest. I don't know if I'd call Northampton the north of England. I wouldn't call it the north of England. I didn't want to no. say because I didn't want to be that no. guy. Yeah, it's, no, I'm um, not having that, Aaron. <laughs> now Aaron is notoriously Shane, bad at you geography. Know, you <laughs> know how bad I am. What at was geography. that one? What was that teaser we used that time? What did you say? I didn't. I thought Zurich was just an insurance. No, company. not that one. We knew that. <laughs> he did. 
It's such a great insurance company that they named the city after it. Yeah, that's what Someone I Someone was having a conversation about going to Zurich, and I was the most confused man in the office. And mm. they were so confused about why I was confused until we got to the to the bottom of it. Was it the one you didn't know where the Canary Islands were or something? Oh yeah, I mixed up I mixed up the Mediterranean and That's the it. Canary Someone Islands. said they were back from the Canaries and you go, How was the Mediterranean? <laughs> <laughs> and you see the teaser is my face confused being like, mm. I'm gonna say it <laughs> So that's the to same be, yeah. to be fair, they're not where you'd expect them to be. No. Like no, no, it's a very no, they're, like they're colonial not. past. Yeah. Like, uh, but sorry, and you asked the question earlier and I should have shown you this. It's my mug not hunting mug obviously um but if you can see it there home of the british shoe industry <laughs> it, it must be true because it's on a mug it's like jumanji paris shoes was they were they based in remember paris <laughs> shoes? <laughs> no you don't that, no. robin williams father ran a shoe factory called paris shoes because that was his character's name was alan parish so yeah that's what i now that's what northampton is in my head it's paris it's, it's just great to be on the map <laughs> this is this is why um, recording a podcast uh, at, at late in the evening it descends into madness uh, towards the I love it. End. So it's gonna be one of those. We'll ones. say goodbye to all our listeners. We'll continue on our shoe conversation after we stop recording. Uh, but to all of our our listeners, thank you for tuning in, and uh, see you again next week.